In this episode of Trophy Dash Podcast, I talked to Nick Torrance from Sigma Pi Epsilon Cycling. Nick graduated in 2015 as a Little 500 champion, and he talks about how he hurt a Little 5, how he joined the SIGEP house, and all the hard work that his team did to learn about Little 5, and all the coaches and support he had, and how they broke down the race into ultimately becoming champions of the race. You're going to love this if you love Little 5. Nick was a great storyteller, and uh, I was just honored to have him on the show. Thank you, Nick. Nick, thank you for your time. Thanks for making time to talk to me about Little 500 and your experience with the Little 500. I know you're a busy man. Yeah, of course. I I appreciate you reaching out to me and um, getting me on on here. It's definitely an honor, um, you know, to be on on a podcast with uh, (laughs) DJ. Well, thanks. It's been a lot of fun, actually. I I love hearing the stories of how other teams figured it out, you know, and, and the challenges that went into it and everything um uh tell me about like high school middle school for you where you grew up wh- what was were you athletic were you into sports like wh- what was your background yeah so i'm from zanesville indiana um my uh my mom was a single mom and was super into the outdoors and athletics so very much had that instilled in me um from a young age and also, you know, being a single mom, uh, sports are a great form of babysitting for, you know, <laughs> hyperactive, hyperactive children that were, you know, definitely my brother and I. Um, so we did every sport under the sun, um, you know, everything from lacrosse, soccer, you know, track, cross country, swimming. Um, and then when high school came around, I dedicated myself purely to swimming um, and, you know, had quite a bit of success. And swimming and was, you know, kind of looking at swimming, swimming, moving into college, but was just totally miserable <laughs> doing it. Um, mm-hmm. just really unhappy, you know, was just totally burnt out from the sport. Um, just tired of being in a cold pool at 5.15 a.m., um, you know, during Indiana winters. Um, just, you know, couldn't really handle it anymore. So decided we weren't going to swim. Um, and then... Uh, little five came along and we transitioned really nicely into into doing that you, you say we who who are you referring to oh sorry i shouldn't have said we oh, okay. i didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, uh, so how'd you get it how'd you pick swimming over you know running soccer those other activities were you just better at swimming so you went with what you were better at or? um probably not honestly looking back i was before I grew, I grew pretty late. I was a junior, a junior or so in high school. I was pretty mediocre at everything. Mm. Honestly, I don't really know. You know, I, I was okay at swimming um, at that point when I kind of decided to just do swimming solely. But especially in, you know, in high school, as you get more serious about swimming, uh, the coaches really do not like you dabbling in other sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a year-round sport. Um, you're doing, you know, morning practices three, four days a week, afternoon practices and Saturdays every day. I just, I'm not really sure why mm-hmm. why I did it. You know, I think 
you know, a lot of my friends were doing it. I definitely at that time enjoyed swimming and had fun with it, but I don't, I don't necessarily remember there being a rhyme or a reason. Yeah. Um, and it definitely ended up working out for me as I, you know, grew, um, you know, I really just started excelling at it big time. Um, but I definitely was not, you know, a superstar <laughs> by any means in middle school and middle school swimming. I was okay. You know, I was definitely competitive, but I don't even remember particularly caring or, you know, really being super driven um, with it. I don't really know. Yeah. And uh, how did you end up at IU? Like, did you have other options to go to other schools or? Um, I did have a few other options. Um, outside of IU, the only school I really wanted to go to was Notre Dame. Um, you know, didn't get into Notre Dame, which was a huge bummer for me at the time, but had a uh, pretty big scholarship to IU and had a lot of, a lot of friends, um, that, you know, were going there from my high school or that were already there and were, you know, a year or so older than me. So I was still happy to go to IU. It definitely was not my first choice at the time, but looking back, <laughs> I, I would not have had it any other way. Yeah. Serendipity, right? It worked out. Definitely. Uh, you must have been pretty academically uh, focused as well if you got a scholarship. And Yeah, um, I've never enjoyed school, I would say, but <laughs> uh, school, is, school has always been fine for me. I've never had too, too many struggles in it, kind of until dental school. Dental school was a little bit different of a ball game, but mm-hmm. high school and college were relatively smooth for me. So come to IU, you're a freshman – um, at some point you join a fraternity uh-huh. uh, at some point you, or when did you first hear or learn about little 500? Um, so I was probably, I was probably a sophomore or a junior in high school uh-huh. when I first heard about it. Um, you know, the Boggs family. Oh, yeah. So Ian was, you know, my best friend growing up, um, was also a swimmer for Zionsville. Um, you know, and Mr. Boggs was a big influence on me, even, uh, through my swimming days and whatnot. Um, so I remember, I want to say it was Mr. Boggs and, you know, their younger son, Bo, they would, they would ride down from Zionsville to Bloomington to go watch the race. Um, I don't remember if they, I don't think they would ride back. I think, you know, their mom would drive down and they'd load up their bikes on a rack or something and drive them home. But I remember them doing that. That was like a thing that they would do. Um, and that was probably the first time I heard about it. It didn't really register as a big deal or, you know, something I was particularly interested in. Um, I, we definitely had kind of from, from Bo, um, again, the Boggs younger brother and, um, Mr. Boggs and Ian kind of a little, a little cycling cult in Zionsville too. And I actually remember, uh, kind of all teasing them Uh Um, (laughs) i mean this was like you know before i was into bikes for sure but um yeah i definitely remember teasing them a little bit about i don't know just wearing the tight shorts and all that i mean i I don't even know if i could have said that because i was wearing a speedo all the time i don't know that that would have been my angle but i definitely you know all in good fun all of these guys were were my friends um but there was definitely a little a little cycling cult um, that kind of popped up out of the uh, the Zionsville mm-hmm. swimmer crew. And when do you first think that you might ride a little five? And how does that idea kind of 
germinate in your head? Um, so that probably starts with Thomas Wimmer. So he was a year older than me, rode for SIGUP Cycling, also a Zinesville swimmer. Um, so I'm a senior in high school now, swimming and whatnot. He's off at college and is in SIGUP. And he didn't ride his freshman year, but he, you know, watched the race, you know, enjoyed it. And I kind of remember starting to get texts from him being like, hey, you know, I think we can do this. You know, I think we could have some success doing this. Um, like, I really want to buy a bike and, you know, kind of start training. I think this is something, you know, we could do together and have a lot of fun with. Um, yeah, so Thomas was probably my first kind of intro into thinking, you know, that I could I could compete in this and, you know, be really a part of it. And it, uh, before that, it didn't really register as it registered as just a drinking event for yeah. me. Um, to be totally honest, you know that's how that was my exposure to it before. Right. And then Thomas was telling me about the bike race and and all that. I was still in the depths of of swimming at that point, so I definitely wasn't super intrigued by any means. But um, over that summer and between my fr- or between my senior year of high school and freshman year of college, I got a bike and started putting a bunch of miles on. Uh-huh. And were you pretty good at it right away? Did you feel your body changing and did, did it come easy to you? Um, cycling definitely came pretty easy to me. I definitely remember um, getting some looks uh, from people when I'd tell them, you know, this is my fifth ride uh-huh. you know like ever uh-huh. like on like some of those nebo group rides and stuff um of them just being like you know asking because i totally looked like i was brand new to this i mean i was i totally looked like i was brand new to the sport but and i did not know how to handle my bike at all but i could push the pedals mm-hmm. um you know i was super fit from swimming um you know my cardio was incredible at that time probably not that good anymore but um yeah, I definitely could push the pedals, go for a really long time. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't even get out of the saddle <laughs> at that point, right, without wrecking. But I could stay in the saddle and go pretty quick. Mm. Um, yeah, it was definitely something that really quickly I, you know, myself and, you know, the people I was riding with kind of recognized that I definitely had some yeah. some natural talent there to work with. And Thomas was already in the fraternity, the SIGEP house, right? Yes. And did he pull you there or did, or did you already have in your mind that you were just going to go there? Um, he definitely pulled me there. I rushed around. I definitely did not go into college thinking, you know, for sure I'm going to join SIGAP. Um, I rushed around to the fraternities and then, you know, tried out the cutters. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely was interested in the cutters and thought that would be a good option for me too um you know kind of in my mind i was more rushing little 500 teams to be honest at that point Mm -hmm. rather than fraternities um so yeah a handful of fraternities and then the cutters uh were the main kind of teams or places that i looked around at um and thomas was a big influence on me joining sigep without a doubt and so what was the history of sigep like prior to you uh, joining um it was pretty it was pretty haphazard or you know even mildly non-existent mm-hmm. um we had gotten kicked off campus in the early 2000s um 
So what I came to school in 2011. So at that point, you know, SIGAP had only been a fraternity back on campus for a couple of years, maybe, maybe four years, you know, or so at that mm-hmm. point. So the entire fraternity, you know, not even just the bike team was kind of in a rebuilding phase. And so we definitely had, you know, some individuals that were really dedicated to cycling in the little 500, but definitely not a team. Um, you know, there was one guy, Drew Coelho, that was two years older than me, that was pretty dedicated, and then two years older than him. So I never even rode with him or anything, but he would come down and kind of help out our team with Stu. Um, so he was pretty dedicated and kind of the the pioneer, the founder, I guess, of the new SIGEP cycling. But we certainly did not have a team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a big reason why, you know, I think Thomas was trying to get me so energized about it is, you know, it was something he really wanted to do. And he thought if he could get one other person, me involved, then, you know, that's half a team right there. Um, and we've got, we've got something we can work with if we've got, you know, two people that are, that are pretty dedicated to this. So you had a few coaches, mentors there in the early days that gave you guys, uh, kind of the, the nudge to get going. Definitely. Um, you know, I've already mentioned his name before, but Brian Boggs was definitely my first, my first mentor um, in the cycling world. He, uh, you know, he was a big mentor for me too, like all through swimming. You know, I think I already said this, but Ian was my best friend growing up. So, you know, Mr. Boggs was, you know, a pseudo coach, mentor, dad for me, mm. you know, um, you know, me growing up um, and then helped us out a lot. You know, those first couple of years kind of just giving us, you know, a lot of general advice. He definitely wasn't, he definitely wasn't, you know, a super involved coach or anything. It was, um, it was more as if we'd kind of just pick his brain, you know, a couple times a year and then he'd come down for race day and help us out. Um, but definitely not a super involved coach, you know, in the way that, you or um, Fowler, for example, with the cutters, um, definitely was always there for us and helping us, you know, just even navigate how to build a bike. You know, that was something that you don't, that you don't know how to do uh, when you're, (laughs) when you're 18 and just just getting into the sport. Um, You know, I bought all my, all my stuff off eBay, you know, my frame, my components, um, you know, my wheels, everything on eBay. And then I remember still building it in the garage with Mr. Box. Mm. Um, you know, he, I mean, by we built it, I mean, he built (laughs) it and I like kind of watched and handed him tools, you know? Um, but then also, I think I've mentioned his name before too, but Drew Coelho was a big mentor for me too. Um, he was a junior when I was a freshman, um, and really just kind of showed me the ropes on, you know, riding around Bloomington or, um, how to handle my bike or kind of what like general race knowledge is and stuff like that. And then junior year, uh, Brian Gavette and Brett Stewart got involved with the SIGAP program and they really took us to the next level for sure. Uh, we had a very, you know, serious training program at that time. We definitely started, you know, watching our diets a lot more and, you know, being a lot more conscious of stuff like that you know, a lot of intensive like strategy discussions and, and whatnot. Um, so yeah, after junior year, when, when Brian, Brian and Brett came on, they, uh, 
they really helped kind of push us to be elite. Yeah. You know, from my viewpoint, it's, it's always fun watching these teams uh, get form and you can see this spark that a couple of guys have, and then you can watch it grow and grow and grow. And I, I can, I tend to be able to recognize it a few years in in advance. Like, okay, these guys, these guys have been doing this for a long time. These guys have got something And, and to watch your team develop and grow and then ultimately win the race. You know, that's a really cool thing to watch. Uh, and you guys yeah. were as green as it gets at the start. You really, it sounds like you really put a lot of time into learning the details of little five and all those nuances. What, what's, what's some of those big challenges you guys had as a team you had to overcome, like just learning about little five. Oh, so many. Um, you know, I think the first challenge was getting, four people dedicated, you know, getting four people bought mm-hmm. in, um, to, you know, trying to win the race. Um, you know, there were quite a few years where we'd have two or three really strong guys, but you know, if the fourth is not invested and, you know, isn't really interested, it's tough. It's tough to win the race. Um, what were some of our other challenges, you know, figuring out how to win the race, I think mm-hmm. was, was a big challenge for us. You know, especially after we got four guys dedicated and committed and, you know, training and whatnot. Um, that first year, what was it? So 2014? Yeah, the crash. Yeah, so 2014. The crash. The crash year. Um, so that was the first year that, you know, we had really been in position to win the race. And to be honest, like, we didn't know what the hell to do. Like, we, we were just our whole strategy was just kind of getting there. Mm -hmm. Right. It was not, how are we going to win? It was just, it was kind of just get to the end and we'll just see what happens. Um, and so I think that was a big kind of turning point for us too. Um, you know, it was kind of just something that you don't know what you don't know. Um, you know, that was our first time ever being in that position. Um, so kind of getting over that hump and, you know, having the heartbreak of that wreck, uh, I think was a big turning point too. just starting to really think about, okay, you know, what are the ways you can win this race? You know, how do we need to go about it? What are our strengths and weaknesses? Um, whereas before it was kind of just, okay, stay safe for the first 190 and then we'll play our cards and see mm-hmm. what happens. Um, so, and we really started to dive down into that a lot more. So 14, you really didn't have a plan for the end. Uh, Right. It was get Nick on the bike at the end yeah. and let's hope he has a good. <laughs> uh, and so going into your senior year, like how does that plan develop and who helps you with that? And, and uh, you know, how does that become a thing? Um, honestly, I think the biggest, the biggest thing for me personally um, was just absolutely binging race mm-hmm. tape. I went to Jordan Bailey and got every, I bought every single year that they had on tape um, for little 500, all the DVDs. Uh, I remember how much it wasn't that much, you know, it was like 30 bucks or something. And I would, they, um, I would just make our entire team sit down and we would, you know, we'd skip around. We wouldn't watch the entire race, but we would just watch race tape and actually, they um somebody would come around with chalk 
um, on the SIGEP rooms and they just kind of named the rooms, just kind of like joking stuff. They called our room the film room because <laughs> it was just always dark. Not always, but, you know, it was dark a lot. And we just, I would cram the bike team into our room and we'd just go over stuff and be like, okay, where is this a good time to burn? Um, is this person in a good position? Um, you know, are they boxed in? You know, why did they wreck here? Um, you know, really just kind of diving down deep into the race tape and, you know, then watching how the teams won, um, you know, where were the winning teams positioned, you know, in the last few laps, when did they exchange? Um, how fresh was that last rider? Um, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, we just really dove deep into my senior year, um, and really just tried to dissect it as much as we could and figure out how we were going to win. So you have this plan going in the race uh, and then you crash. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, now yeah. I'm in survival mode. Uh, and you guys were, you guys were way down. If I remember right, like half a lap or so. I think we might've even been over half a lap. It was a lot. I, you were pinned right next to the cutters or really close. And I, I just, I remember uh -huh. the patience and the calmness that was in the pit uh, all through the whole race. Uh, and that was something I was noticeable to me. Like, like, how did you guys stay calm in that crash in that moment? And how did you claw your way back to the leaders? Oof. Uh, you know, I'm glad you said you thought we were patient. You know, I want to probably give credit to Brian Gavette there because I was certainly not. I was not emotionally super involved at that point in the race. I definitely, um, I was, I was mad. You know, I was straight up angry um, when we got in that wreck and, you know, to start clawing back. Uh, it was probably good that I was immediately on the bike mm. when that happened to kind of burn off some of that, mm -hmm. but I was definitely not calm or super composed for probably that first 20 minutes after. Um, again, it was probably good that I could just go out there and burn a bunch of that, that energy. Um, but, you know, I think you are right that the rest of the pit was pretty calm. Um, you know, Brian Gavette and Brett Stewart really, really calmed me down there and, um, you know, kind of just got me focused on, you know, what we could control at that point and how we were going to get back into the race and make this reality. But I, I personally was not super calm during, during that. Um, how long did it take you guys? Do you know how many, remember how many laps it took you to get back or? It was probably 20. Yeah. Probably around 20. Um, I did, I did probably like a 10 to 12 lap set, I would guess. And then Charlie Hicks did, you know, another 10 lap set after that. I would guess it was about 20 to claw that, claw that wreck back. Um, what was the makeup of the team that senior year versus your other years? Like senior year versus other years. Um, let's see. You know, it was probably pretty, it was probably fairly comparable in terms of fitness and strength. It was not our year before we were more experienced as a team. I would say mm. we had uh, the year before we had two seniors, Paul Gillette and Thomas Wimmer. And then myself who was a junior and Sam Anderson, who was a really promising, I think he was a freshman at that point, but he was mm -hmm. strong, super strong, rider. really could just crank the bike. Um, so we were pretty experienced that year. And then, yeah, my senior year, 
you know, we graduated the two seniors. So I was a senior. We had um, Chris Turry, who was a rookie and a junior, Sam Anderson, who was a sophomore, and then Charlie Hicks, who had ridden quite a bit before. Uh, he even got to IU. Um, really strong, just diesel engine. Um, can kind of go all day. Um, but, you know, ex- inexperienced on the track. Um, but very strong. We, um, Charlie was super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely we were, we were a strong team, but we were, we were green. We were pretty inexperienced outside of myself that year. Okay. You know, two rookies, one guy that's only ridden in one race. But the team has had transcended some invisible point where you guys were now a top tier team. Definitely. And, you know, that just comes from, you know, a program kind of building, um, you know, all those guys, you know, the freshmen and sophomore, for example, had so much more knowledge and, you know, exposure to stuff and, you know, mentorship than, you know, I kind of ever had when I was a freshman or sophomore. So their learning curve, you know, was mm-hmm. cut down a lot just by having a program kind of built up around them already. Um, so that was, that was certainly helpful. You know, we could definitely, we were starting to get rookies up to speed, you know, really quickly at that point. Yeah. So you guys catch back up, you know, the race is going pretty uh, typical and then, and then Delts mm-hmm. launched this like re- really yeah. good attack and they get like a half lap on the field and everyone in the stands thinks this is pretty much staying away, um, right. but it doesn't. And you ride the last 10 laps like, uh, uh, you know, like, like a pro. Like you just knew your strengths and your patience once again. Like uh, re- tell me, remind me when you went on the race and I'm sure the delts were still up when you went in and, and yeah. what you're thinking there. Like, you're thinking this is over, this sucks one more time <laughs> or what? Um, actually, I wasn't thinking that at all. I went on with 15 to go, I think, and – Um, Actually, one of the things we talked about a ton, you know, following race tape is how difficult it is to stay away in level five. Um, It is incredibly difficult to break away field Um, and just how important at the end of the race, you know, staying composed, using wheels, letting other people work, you know, and staying patient um, really, you know, really helps, you know, come those last couple laps. So you know, for as uncalm as I was during the wreck, I was very, I was pretty confident going, you know, hopping on the bike. I definitely wasn't thrilled that I had to do 15 laps. You know, I wish, um, I could have done a little bit less, but I, I definitely felt okay that the field was going to be able to pull it back. Um, you know, I knew beta was in there. I knew cutters were in there. Um, you know, SAE was still in the pack, you know, there were plenty of strong teams with really strong guys that I, I was confident, you know, as Delts got onto their second, third set of ITTs that, you know, the gap was going to drop real, real fast, you know, come four or five Mm -hmm. to go. Um, it was pretty calm was just trying to use wheels as best I could, um, just keep heads up on where exactly Delts was, um, where they were, you know, in terms of how far ahead of the, us they were and, you know, just do as little work as possible. Cause I knew everybody, everybody else was doing less laps than me on those sets. 
Yeah, uh, you're right. <laughs> you played it really well. But, you know, on paper, you're not the top sprinter in the race. You you get like 12th in ITTs. And, and like, yeah. so, like, like, what makes you believe that you can do this as you as you go into the white flag and everyone's back together? Um, you know, even though I didn't have the best spring series, I'm still not totally sure, to be honest, what happened in ITTs, but, um, I wasn't too, too worried, you know, that, I mean, to be totally honest, I 100% believed I was the best rider in the field, um, rightly or wrongly, you know, I definitely believed that, uh, I think that's important for, you know, an athlete that, you know, is trying to really win something. Um, like the first person that has to believe it is you. Um, so I wasn't too concerned about ITTs. And then even in missing out, I kind of had a little bit of bad luck in the finals um, and was eliminated first in finals. I got six, but um, I felt pretty strong in missing out. So, you know, didn't really get to kind of sprint out, um, you know, and kind of see where I was there, but I had had a great road season um, the summer before I was really, you know, riding really well. And then, you know, even though I didn't have the best spring results, you're still riding with everybody on the track, um, you know, day in and day out. You kind of can gauge where you are in the strength of everybody else a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really doubt for <laughs> a second that I was, I was going to be, I was going to be yeah. right there. So uh, take me through the last lap and the white flag comes out. Cause it, it's just a wonderful race finish really. Yeah. Cause everyone's tired. Uh, you played it great. Like I said, but Blackie bulls, beta cutters, these other teams, uh, they've really spent a lot of energy bringing that back. Racing. Yeah. Um, and- yep. So I remember, you know, again, and this is a lot from just watching a ton of race tape, but, um, you know, the sprint's really about two laps. Um, it's not really, you've got to already be in position, you know, and that was something I learned from wrecking in 2014 mm-hmm. was, you know, I really was not in position to even win that race. I didn't even really give my chance. Um, and so, and you know, little five's weird in that it's not like a road sprint. You've got to be at the front or pretty close to the front in order to, you know, have a shot coming around those last couple turns. So I remember Chris Craig was up front um, this is like a lap and a half to go or something. And I was starting to get a little antsy that people were going to come up behind me and like box me in. So I remember kind of pushing him a little bit kind of on the outside um, you know, he accelerates as well. So we keep the, uh, we keep the pace relatively hot kind of through turns three and four coming into, coming into the white mm-hmm. flag. And then, and then I remember, and it's funny, Charlie Hicks and I had worked on this exact same thing, not three days before the race is kind of, I let, I let Chris Craig go just a tad in front of me, kind of coming through turns one and two and then accelerated into his wheel and then popped around him. Um, I don't remember a ton of the last lap, to be honest. It's kind of blacked out in my brain, but I just have an image in my head of 
like, oh my gosh, I'm in front with a half, half lap to go and I can just see the fans and, you know, all the billboards kind of along the fence, like the ads or whatnot. I mean, I, I have this image in my head. It's like one of the only things I have of, you know, that last lap is just this singular image um, of just like, holy crap, like I'm out front, you know, this is happening. Um, but, you know, again, just watching a ton of race tape, kind of figuring out where to be in the pack and then, you know, kind of letting, letting his wheel go just enough out front of me and then just yeah. popping into it. Cross the finish line, see the checkered flags. And then uh, now you're the race people watch, you know, you're the video. Uh, yeah. So you, you do the lap, come back to the pit. Like what's that like when you see your team and the coaches? And... Oh my gosh. It was the best feeling. It was just, it was just a massive relief, um, you know, especially to have the shot at redemption, you know, from, from the heartbreak of the year before, just to, um, you know, come back, you know, and see all the guys just jumping up and down, just thrilled, you know, just grit ear or grins ear to ear. Um, yeah. yeah, it was special. It was definitely exciting. Yeah, definitely puts the gap cycling. Uh, on the map in little five and it's here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. You're really, really so. proud of that. I'm sure you are. Um, so, you know, it sounds like you really transformed a lot from freshman to senior uh, and little five, I'm sure had a big part of that. Like, like Definitely. Tell me about how you personally grew and how you changed. Um, I just matured a lot, um, you know, from 18 to 22 year old males, <laughs> you know, that's a big, that's a big growth period, um, you know, for anybody's life. Um, but yeah, I just, I became a lot more patient, you know, a lot more humble, um, a lot more of a leader, um, a lot more of, you know, how to get the most out of my teammates, I guess. Um, you know, I very much you know, at the, at the time of, you know, kind of my freshman and sophomore year, um, just, you know, I thought that everybody was kind of motivated by the same things as me kind of thing, you know, it was just kind of blinded, um, just like looking at myself in a way. And then, you know, kind of growing up and, you know, really recognizing stuff from other people's point of views, you know, what do they care about? You know, how can I get them motivated? to, you know, ride or be more dedicated to this, um, you know, which is a huge component of being a leader. Um, that was something I really, I really developed in a lot. And, um, you know, again, really just had to get the most out of, out of your teammates. Um, you know, like for example, Charlie Hicks, you know, one of my closest friends still to this day, but I would scream and shout <laughs> at him and just, you know, totally, you know, where were you, Charlie? Like, why were you not on this ride? Like, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he would just shut down. It, like, that was not a way to motivate him um, or get him to ride more, right? That didn't, it didn't help. Um, whereas, you know, if I had somebody screaming at me, um, you know, motivating me like that, like, that would help me. Like, that would put a fire under my under my butt. I don't know if I can Let curse you, Jim, but that would put a fire under, under my butt and, uh, um, you know, get me going. Whereas, you know, certain people that doesn't, that doesn't do it for them. Um, 
so kind of figuring, figuring out how to be more of a leader, um, I think was probably my biggest, biggest development. And, um, you know, little fives, April graduation, May, uh, then what happens next? Like you're riding this high, you're the big man on campus. Uh, then yeah. what do you do? Where do you go? How do you, how are you feeling as you drive away from Bloomington? Um, definitely, definitely sad that it's over. Um, you know, I had an incredible four years at Bloomington, um, but also, you know, at peace. Um, I, you know, I moved up to Indianapolis and started dental school and, you know, I think it was July even, so I didn't even really have that much of a summer break, but, um, you know, very much just accepting that all good things come to an end. Um, and at least I, you know, got the victory and I, you know, don't really have regrets yeah. or, you know, what ifs or any, anything like that. You know, I very much left at peace. You know, I still miss Bloomington uh, even now. Um, and it was definitely that first year being away from Bloomington was definitely tough. But yeah, you know, again, all good things come to an end. And I was very much at, at You went to dental it. school. Now you're a practicing, practicing dentist in Colorado. Um, um, and you've been you've had teams in your life for a long time. Like, like how, how are you doing in that area now? Do you have a solid team you work with? And... Um, I do. Uh, yeah, and actually that's something I use in my job interviews a lot, actually, is a point I use in my mm -hmm. job interviews that, you know, I have been, you know, always a part of teams and do work really well in teams. Um, so yeah, I have, I have a really good team right now. Um, I'm the only male on my team. So that's a first, you know, I'm kind of used to having male teammates, um, in my athletic, in my athletic events and teams and sports and whatnot. Um, so, you know, it's me and five, five women who are awesome and definitely, definitely you, you take good care of me. Um, <laughs> no, I cannot yell at them to vote. No, I definitely do not. I have definitely <laughs> never yelled at any of my staff. Um, but yeah, it, it is very different, you know. Like my um, office manager is a six-year-old woman, um, you know, versus you know when I was twenty-two and you know trying to mentor and bring Charlie up, he was an eighteen-year-old male. Um, you know, those are very different people from very different life circumstances. So it's definitely different, but um, I still enjoy it. I definitely enjoy, you know, being a part of a little team and, you know, kind of going into battle a little bit each day. And I, I was going to ask you, do you have any regrets about riding Little Five? Did you miss out on anything in college? Is there, you know, was there any dark side to riding? But my guess is there was not. Um, not really. I mean, of course, I missed out on on some parties here and there. Um, specifically, quals. <laughs> quals always looked like such a blast. Um, I mean, just people just go nuts for quals. Um, but you know, by the time race week rolled around, um, you know, I was so dialed in and you know ready to just get out there that parting was the last thing on my mind. Um, so no, I didn't. It, it, it was exactly, you know, how I wanted it to be. You know, athletics has always been a huge part of my life. Um, I'm never going to look back and be like, oh, man, you know, I missed that night drinking when, 
you know, really had to wake up at 7 a.m. to go on a ride or something like that. So, yeah, Thomas pulled you into all this. <laughs> um, I'm sure you know, when you suffer with people, especially ac- athletically, you create some tight bonds. Uh, what, how are you with your old teammates? Yeah. Like, what's that relationship? You guys still stay in touch? You lean on each other? We do still stay in touch. Um, you know, Thomas and Charlie are some of my best friends, you know, and will be friends for life. I have no doubt. Um, but yeah, we very much, you know, starting kind of my junior year, once we really got a solid core group of guys, I mean, I think, you know, my first year of dental school, the team was like 12 people or something like that. Um, so, you know, starting my junior year, I think we had, you know, seven or six or something like that riding, um, we very much started to started to call each other, you know, family, you know, like the bike team is family. Um, that was very much something that just kind of developed, you know, we did everything together. We'd ride for hours together and then we'd go eat and then we'd, you know, just lay around in our rooms and watch race together. Um, yeah, we were very much a family and that still, that still persists today. Um, with you know, that's, guys, for that's sure. really kind of required to manifest this outcome. You, you have to spend, you have to spend a lot of time, your Absolutely. thoughts, your energy have to be on it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta trust all the guys you got to, you know, it, this is a team sport. Mm-hmm. Little 500 is a team sport. Um, you know, going in there, you know, going into the race, you've got to have, you know, total confidence in your teammates that they're, you know, going to do their job and, you know, put the team in yeah. a position to win the race. And it is a team sport. You should feel really proud that you left the team in a, in a better place than when you joined it. And it's a really healthy team now. It seems like. Yeah, they're doing, they're doing good. Um, they're, uh, they're definitely still, yeah. still carrying the torch down there, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. It's great to see. Well, Nick, it, dude, it's been great to hear your version of all that. Uh, anything else you'd like to add or ask me about? Um, how worried were you guys about us, um, you know, my senior year or junior year, you know, where, because I know we were definitely, you know, Brian Gavette specifically, because, you know, him and Fowler have, you know, a little, a little rivalry going, um, all of our, all of our pre-race meetings, um, you know, you guys were the, the talk for sure. Um, you know, how much were we on your guys's radar? Were we, uh, you know, really seen as a serious threat, you know, especially with, you know, Chris Craig, absolutely crushing spring series and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, two years in well, a row. When he crashed, uh, we all took a big sigh of relief, uh, and then we stop watching <laughs> and then suddenly you're back in the field because normally you crash and you're done. Right. And you guys somehow came back yeah. and we were trying to figure out, did they get lapped or did they catch up? Uh, so then you caught up. And, um, I would say you were definitely on our top you know, four teams to watch. And in just watching how the program had matured, uh, you know, you, everyone in that top four is the team you have to watch. So you, you, you were definitely up there. The team of was course. up there. Yeah, it is. That's bike racing, though. You know, you just got to be 
got to be in the mix and have someone that knows how to get their nose to the line. Call up to the big leagues. You got to be able, you got to be ready for it. All right. And you put on the, you're put on the bike. Yeah, definitely. Job to do. And you did it really. And it wasn't luck or you put all those hours into it. You, you studied it. You knew right. What you knew exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, That's uh, definitely important. You know, when, Because again, you know, kind of like I said, when you get to that point, everything just kind of goes black a little bit, Um, you know, where your emotions get out of control, um, you know, but if you've practiced something over and over and thought about it, you know, countless times, when you get there, it's just, it's just repetition. It's just like you've always done it. All right. Well, thank you, Nick, for your time. Uh, Yeah, you too, man. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again in Bloomington. One of these little fives coming up. I'll be there. Don't worry. I haven't missed one yet. All All right, right, Jim. Thanks for staying up late to chat with me. Have a good rest of your evening. Bye-bye. Wow. What a cool story from Nick. You know, this reminds me of how much someone can grow in four years. Nick really transformed himself as a cyclist ultimately as a young man as as well. So thanks, Nick. Thank you for your time. It was great to hear all your stories.